0: Athletic Brewing. I cracked open an Upside Dawn Golden Athletic Brew. And let me say this. No matter what you're looking for in a great non-alcoholic beer, the answer is always athletic. Great flavor? It's athletic. Award-winning styles? It's athletic. Huge variety? It's athletic. Fit for all times. That's a registered trademark, guys. Enjoy Them anytime, anywhere, without ever slowing down your summer. Beach days, music festivals, swim meets, camping, late nights, early mornings, literally wherever summer takes you. And here's the best part to me, zero hangovers the next day. Mm -hmm. This summer, ask for the only non-alcoholic beer or brew you need to know. Athletic. Head to askforathletic.com to find it near you and use code TA2024 to get 15% off your first online order. That's code TA2024 at checkout for 15% off your first order. Near beer. Exclusions
1: and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company. Fit for all times. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Football and Grits. I'm your host, David Ubbin. If you like this show and you want to keep listening You can find us in the Andy Staples and Friends pod feed. Go down to the show notes, and you can click and uh, make sure that you subscribe to that feed if you want to check us out moving forward. We will be there every Monday. Myself, Andy Staples and Friends, as well as our other shows, One True Pod, Power Hour, all kinds of stuff there for college football listeners. Andy and Ari always uh, going back and forth, so thanks for listening. We'll see you over there on the Andy Staples and Friends pod feed. Listeners, we've been away, and we are back, and we have a new home here at Football and Grits, the Athletics SEC Football Podcast. Every Monday, you can find myself, Andy Staples, and a host of SEC friends who you'll hear from talking SEC every Monday, so subscribe to the show, subscribe to the Andy Staples feed you can find in the Football and Grits feed as well, but we'll be here every Monday, so subscribe, pencil that into your calendar. So we're going to be uh, talking the ever-growing SEC, uh, Andy, at 16 teams and counting.
2: <laughs> the the exp- 14 for the, the time great being.
1: expanding SEC. It's a little. It's a little bit like uh, the blob that I feel like in football and grits in 2026. Um, well, not 130 teams, but maybe 20, 120, something like that. It's it, um, it, it is it's <laughs> it's in De- so,
3: like in Demolition Man, where you find out that now all restaurants are Taco Bell. Now all college football is SEC. (laughs) It's funny because it's true.
1: Uh, Anyway, we'll be here talking about whoever's in the league. Um, Clemson, looking at you. Um, But anyway, (laughs) uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, We're back, and we figured, Andy, why don't we start by looking at these divisions? Uh, And I've heard... That there's one in the east that includes a team west of the Mississippi, but that's fine. That's fine. We'll just touch on that.
3: Also, also, Van- So we're talking SEC east is today. west
1: of Auburn. Just throwing that out there. That's true. Fair enough. Listen, geography is just a suggestion. I've always said that, um, and I, I believe that that's a good life motto. But let's talk SEC, uh, and I'm I'm quoting East uh, right now, uh, Andy. That conversation. Can only start with one team, the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, always a bridesmaid, never a bride at this point.
3: But, uh, but, you know, the bridesmaid that everybody wants to dance sure, with. Sure. I don't disagree with you, but
1: our, we'll our good friend Seth Emerson has written multiple stories to this effect. It's time for Georgia. What do you feel about them finally
3: finding the right one and, and getting that ring this year? This is the path. That if you're going to do it, this is your path. You've got the you got a season opener against Clemson where you can kind of test yourself out against that kind of team. Mm-hmm. So you see what you what you look like against that kind of team. You don't even have to win the game. It doesn't matter if you win or not. This is all for for just testing purposes. And then you get into the SEC where your main rival in the East has to play Alabama and LSU. You don't you play Auburn. Right after a coaching change, you play Arkansas out of the West. That's a much better deal. You've got a quarterback who's not leaving. Mm -hmm. You know, this is right about the time. Actually, we were a little bit later last year when Jamie Newman decided to leave because they didn't start camps on time last year. But you didn't have spring practice. The guy you thought was going to be your starting quarterback left right as camp opened. Very different situation now. JT Daniels. Finished last season as the established starter. Todd Muckin knows what he's got. They had a spring practice together. They had an entire offseason together. This is as as excited as you should be about a Georgia offense in a long, long time. Yeah. And there's a lot to like about this Georgia offense. So you've got that. You've got a defense that has been good consistently over the last few years that brings a bunch of guys back. Dan Lanning still there running the defense. This should be the year. And I realize Alabama is still a team in the SEC that you have to worry about. Mm-hmm. And let's not forget, Alabama's not the only good team in the West. Mm-hmm. Texas A&M is going to be really good. Very good. LSU, top I five, think, is going to have good. a big bounce back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah LSU is going to have a big bounce back this year. So it's not like it's a cakewalk into the playoff for Georgia. They would have to earn their way there. But – it's never going to get easier than this, and it's never going to be a situation where you're bringing back more than this, probably. So this is, this is the year it should work. I feel for the Georgia fans,
1: but they're constructed so well right now. You mentioned the offensive side, but you got to be able to affect the passer and do so with four guys, and Georgia's going to be able to do that. You know, three, four guys, really. Starts with Jordan Davis up front. I mean, best defensive line in the country. Certainly in the SEC, probably, um, yeah. and it's it's that's a good thing to have. Uh, if you're going to pick one unit on the defensive side of the ball that you want to be dominant, it has to be those guys. Um, and, and Georgia has that; the pieces are there. And I think, you know, I, I get, I understand the narrative with Georgia in that they've been hanging around; they've been national title caliber for the better part of the last, what, four years and haven't been able to really have a lot of meaningful uh, uh, jewelry to go with that. But it's still – you're still facing that Alabama situation. And, you know, the reality is that certainly there's a world in which, you know, you beat Clemson, you lose to Alabama, you still get in the playoff, and then you don't have to actually go through Alabama to to win the title – but there are a lot more universes in which you have to beat Alabama. Uh, and I think, dare I say, it would, be more, it would be more satisfying to go through Alabama for Georgia.
3: Well, if you make the playoff because you beat Clemson and then lost to Alabama as a 12-0 and team in the SEC Championship game, you're still probably going to have to beat Alabama to win the and national title. Probably so.
1: But you'd hope that maybe a Clemson or an Ohio State or an Oklahoma could knock them off. Maybe. 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 Maybe Maybe he's doing some heavy lifting there, but
3: yes. (laughs) Well, before, okay, I sense this. It might be because of where I live. I can hear it, though. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people going, wait, 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 wait. You're just handing Georgia the East? Was there not a team that beat them last year? Didn't a different team win the East last year? Mm -hmm. We probably need to talk about that. Because we are just sort of wandering over the Florida Gators. Well, I believe I had to eat a bit
1: of crow last year for uh, uh, arguing that to suggest that Georgia was not the favorite in the East and a heavy favorite was uh, uh, borderline blasphemous. Now, injuries had a little bit to do with that. The quarterback exodus, part of that was Jamie Newman. I was a big Jamie Jamie Newman uh, uh, fan. I I can't say that I believe that a... uh, Stetson Bennett-led Georgia team um, is going to be in the playoff. Um, But JT Daniels, we saw those flashes. We saw... I'm a big Todd Bunkin advocate. I think he can really take Georgia to the next level offensively. Maybe not to the level that Alabama is, but um, to a a much better level than what they were uh, early in uh, in the Kirby Smart tenure. So I understand the Florida angst, Andy. Um... Am I wrong for shrugging it off again? Rebooted offense, uh, no Kyle Trask, no Canarius Tony. You're missing so many guys. Uh, we saw kind of a look at at you know what this offense might look like. No Kyle Pitts, of course, as well uh, in the Cotton Bowl. Little pieces of that. Not to say that that's an accurate reflection, but it's still a totally rebooted offense. And Florida won last year with offense, and the defense will be a little bit better this year. But they don't have a full unit. I like Kyrie Elam, uh, you know, Zach Carter, those pieces. But I just don't – I'm not buying the Florida stock this year. Good team, very good team, probably a 9-10 win team. I don't buy them as a team that can go wire to wire with Georgia over the course of a full SEC season.
3: I think their offense is going to be better than people realize. I, I This gets back to an offense that's more similar to what Dan Mullen ran with his best Mississippi State teams mm-hmm. where – they had a quarterback who was a good running threat, but Emory Jones' arm is better than people.: I
1: need to hands. see more from him.
3: I get it. I, he might yeah.
1: surprise me, but I just I'm not, I'm not in on it yet. I'm not in on it yet.
3: So I, the, their offense is actually not what I'm concerned about. It, it is the defense again. Mm-hmm. How much better can they be? Because if they're not much better, then you're asking that offense to do a lot, because that, mm-hmm. that was a great offense they had last year. that was dragged down ultimately by the defense. Yeah, this offense. If you're asking that this this offense to be at that level, game after game after game, it, it's asking a lot. Mm-hmm. You you need the defense to pick up a little more slack this year. So I think I think that's the issue. And and the other part of it is the schedule. You know, Georgia had the harder schedule last year. Georgia had to go to Alabama. Florida's got to play Alabama and LSU this year. It there's a there's a universe where Florida could beat Georgia and still lose the East. Yeah, you know. That's entirely possible. I think you're right. <laughs> I, I don't think it works out that way, but because of the way the schedule works out, it's possible. So tell me, I mean, you made
1: some Dak Prescott allusions there. I, I'm skeptical. Where's the ceiling
3: and the floor for Emory Jones in your mind? The, the ceiling is he could be – so he's got a better arm than Kyle Trask. Does that mean he's a better pro that he's as good a processor? As- the thing about Kyle Trask that made him so so good in this offense was he put the ball where it needed to be. Mm-hmm. He made very very decisive reads. He said, Okay, I'm doing this, I'm getting the ball out. Get here. it to the playmakers, of which
1: there were many last yeah, year. He
3: wasn't, he yeah, he wasn't pumping and then and then waiting and, and forcing his offensive line to block mm-hmm. longer than it needed to. He didn't do it, he got the ball out. So if Emory can get the ball out and and feel as comfortable in the offense as Kyle Trask did. This is going to be a really good offense because Emory's a much bigger run threat. You have to respect the fact that he might take off with it. And so I I don't think it's going to be as dramatic a drop off. That's the ceiling. The the floor would be he is not as effective and and they go with Anthony Richardson, who's another big guy with a big arm who can move really well. But you know, that's he's not been the guy who's been groomed for the last three years to take over this job. You're not
1: selling me. If the if his floor is the guy that everybody says is the guy is not the guy. If that's his floor, I'm out. I'm officially. I well, we
3: don't know yet. We haven't seen him. I yet.
1: know. I know. I, I I just am not. I'm not in on Florida. I I, I think Georgia I think might be super team si- this
3: year. Yeah, I think in the limited sample size we've seen that Emory Jones will be just fine. But that's not I what really they do. need. I, I think he will be just fine. Just
1: fine is not going to get a job. Oh, they
3: need him to be super. They need him to be Superman. Yeah. Yeah, I, I understand that. Yeah. But listen, part of that is you've got to recruit some supermen around him. Yeah. Like their roster physically does not match up with George's roster. Mm-hmm. Part of the job of being a head coach in the SEC at a program that expects you to win SEC titles is you got to recruit like the other programs that expect to win SEC titles. And Georgia and Alabama and LSU and now Texas A and M recruit on a different level than the rest of the league.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think too with the Florida conversation, you know, last year I had Kyle Pitts, I think third on my Heisman ballot. I thought he was as good as just about anybody in the SEC last year. Uh, and he he that worries me not for the production, but because without him. I'm worried that a lot of sixes are going to turn into threes with Florida. Uh, I think that— Kyle Pitts was, was he, an alien. Yeah, that, 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 that guy— yeah. Kyle
3: Pitts was an absolute alien. That guy—it's
1: probably unfair to say he put them in the SEC title game, but it's not that far. I, I think that being, turning those threes into sixes is something that not that many guys can do, and I think that, well, they're going to miss don't, that. Don't
3: forget there were two first-rounders in the offense. Yes, that's true. Two first rounders going out for passes almost every play. Yes. So, Tony was a different different story because it took him a while to figure out how to work within the flow of the offense, but last year that finally that light finally came on. And instead of them having to force feed him touches, he was getting open within the flow of the offense mm-hmm. and finding, you know, running better routes and So, yeah. That is going to be an issue. Who who steps into that role? Who is that next person? Uh, you know, maybe it's Xavier Henderson. We'll see, but that the Kyle Pitts thing—you don't replace him. Yeah, There's just he. That those guys don't come along, but every so often.
1: I'm sad we did not uh, coin the Tavon Tony nickname. I feel like we should have.
3: Well, it's it's funny because you know. Tony would have been an I like an ideal urban Meyer Mm -hmm. gator like he that's that's the and I think urban Meyer wanted to draft him maybe Percy Tony Tony would have been a better
1: would have been a better nickname than Tavon well
3: (laughs) well, no I mean trust me there were lots of Percy comparisons the first time everybody saw Tony carry the ball Mm -hmm. or touch the ball Uh, he didn't have quite the same instincts as Percy Percy Mm -hmm. had a lot better football instincts and that's why Percy immediately made an impact and it took a while for Kadarius Tony to make an impact but um yeah, I laughed when, when the Jaguars signed Tavon Austin the <laughs> other day because they like, this, this is just Urban Meyer making up for lost yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you on that.
1: Uh, so, Andy, as we talk about Florida's floor, there's the rest of the SEC. I think Georgia, talent-wise, is on a tier by themselves. But we saw last year, you know, things break a, little, uh, a couple ways. Florida could catch them. It's plausible. But if somebody crashes that party and kicks Florida – or Georgia, I suppose, but more likely Florida to that number three spot. In your mind, who is who is that most likely candidate?
3: Kentucky. It, it would be Kentucky because the offense is more dynamic, and and by more dynamic, I mean better than the non-functional one they had last year. Mm-hmm. And they they couldn't throw the ball at all last year. It was like you you knew poor Chris Rodriguez was going to be running into these <laughs> nine-man boxes because. And look, they had a good offensive line, so he's getting he's getting good blocking, but there's only so much you can do when they've got so many more guys ready to stop you. Mm-hmm. And there was no threat for Kentucky to throw the ball. This will be interesting. You bring in Lee Cohen from the Rams, and you know, it it's kind of the same, same philosophy as when LSU brings in Joe Brady. So Joe Brady knows Sean Payton's offense. Yeah. Can he? re-engineer Sean Payton's offense for a college offense. And that and he did. And they won the national title. Now, you Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, all those it guys applied over to That helped helps a lot. But can Liam Cohen re-engineer the Sean McVay offense for a college program? Mm-hmm. If he can, I mean this could be really interesting. And and so Audrey Snyder, our our Penn State beat writer, was telling me about Will Levis and and Will Levis had to run the ball a lot last year when he got in the 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 few times he got in for Penn State when he was replacing Sean Clifford. But he's got a good arm. It's all it's kind of I saw him last year and I I kept I literally had texted Audrey
1: multiple times during Penn State games asking why why do they not let this guy throw it? Every
3: time he threw it, I was like, oh, okay. And then they're just using it like third and one. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Exactly. So It may be that they've got more with him than than we realize, but the thing is they do have that really good offensive line, Mm -hmm. and he's going to have time to throw. He's got Rodriguez, who's one of the better running backs in the league. Well, actually one of the best running backs in the country. Wondell Robinson comes in. Wondell Robinson was Nebraska's most explosive player, and I realized Nebraska wasn't great offensively. But he was one of those you feel like if you put a lot of talent around yeah. him, he could be really. He had special. more than a few highlights, and where you're like, this guy, this guy's got something. Exactly. So now he's going to be playing in an offense where he's, you know, there's a very good offensive line, maybe a quarterback who can get him a ball and get him the ball, a scheme that that may be a little more have have a few more answers for the defenses mm-hmm. that they're going to see. I just I feel like, as competitive as they were with an offense that was. I'm not kidding when I say non-functional. They couldn't do anything yeah. offensively. So, you get the offense to adequate, you got a pretty good team. But if the offense is above average, then all of a sudden, yeah, you've got a team You don't that want to play Kentucky. I don't think they can beat Yeah, I don't think they can beat Georgia or win the win the East necessarily, but they can be the team that nobody wants Tentic. to play. And I think the the game the game where we're going to get to see how that all works and where, where the pecking order might shake out is September 11th. That's, that's Missouri at Kentucky. Mm-hmm. So Missouri feels like kind of Missouri and Kentucky feel like they're, they're kind of pretty close and whoever wins that game then has the, the advantage and then can, can make its play on the top of the top of the state. Mm-hmm. I'm with you on the
1: Kentucky. I, I want to buy all the Kentucky stock that I possibly can at the moment. I, I uh, you know, the, the Sean McVay coaching sapling is very interesting, and I, I'm – I'm I, listen, we'll see how it goes. Uh, some guys are going to be great. Some guys are not. I mean, it, it, the coaching tree concept, I think, is fundamentally flawed in college sports, I feel like. Everybody wants to put all <laughs> their chips in that bag. I mean, we've been uh, – they've been mining the Nick Saban coaching tree for 10, 15 years with uh, – <laughs> Let's say let's say mixed results. Is that fair? Uh, how would you describe? You speak a... like
3: someone who who covered Tennessee under Jerry No, Stewart. that
1: doesn't sound right. Was it he... might have heard a few things
3: about. Was he in Dooley era, era he, at the same he, time? He might have.
1: He might have been. He might have been. But yeah, like work, it's... worked with him a couple. couple <laughs> yeah, years. maybe maybe one or two. But so it's a grab bag. It might work. It might not. Um, I, I think the thing where the coaching tree stuff gets really confusing is nobody seems to be able to suss out. How much? What percentage contribution things are when they're with the with the wonderkind coach? You know if you're
3: if you're Well how much they're actually listening? Yes, how much? And that how too. much is the? Yeah, yeah, because because Joe Brady clearly was paying attention mm-hmm. to Sean Payton. Mm-hmm. You could see it but all Jeremy over their Pruitt offense. Wasn't? Yeah, Jeremy Pruitt clearly wasn't paying attention to Nick Saban because what is Nick Saban's best attribute? His Adaptation. adaptability. Mm-hmm. What did Jeremy Pruitt do? Tried to create 2012 Alabama with worse players. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't work
1: for those of you guys who didn't pay attention to Tennessee. And then, of course, uh, uh, with what 1985 recruiting tactics? 1985 Southwest Conference recruiting tactics. <laughs> all that was missing was the gold Camaro. That's all we. That's all we needed. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it's. I, I'm with you on in Kentucky, though. I you know will the defense be as good as it was last year? I think some people are glossing over that. But if they aren't, I mean, the floor, their bar is on the floor for their offensively, for them offensively. And it's hard they for me. Were so bad. I, it's hard for me to <laughs> believe that it can't be significantly better, even if it's not, uh, you know, very, very good. And I wouldn't take off the table the idea that this offense could be very, very good. New offensive coordinator, new well, quarterback, good offensive line, new weapons. It could just wait, overnight. So I'll be stop pretty. you there.
3: Good offensive line, mm-hmm. at least three NFL offensive linemen, yes. maybe more. Like it, that's the thing that people don't get. Teams that have three to five NFL offensive linemen have a completely different ceiling than everybody else. Mm-hmm. You can do so much more, and there just aren't that many teams like that anymore. There aren't. the the, the best programs hog them all. Like you look at Alabama's offensive line. The the guys that they bring in as backups, they're going to play in the NFL too, for the most part. Once they once they wait out the guys in front of them, a lot of these other programs, they might have one guy who's going to play in the NFL, but Kentucky will start at least three, and possibly more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that makes a huge difference. Yeah. I think we got to talk about the
1: other team on that uh, uh, on that early season access in the sec east and that is missouri i am not a big believer in Missouri's ceiling but i'm a big believer in their floor being pretty high last year eli drinkwitz probably inherited i mean last year could you was there ever a tougher year for first year
3: coaches in the history of this sport i'm not sure that there was no and and that's what i, I think is so interesting about the the coaches in the sec the first year coaches all did pretty well yeah. They did. When you consider Pittman, especially how, yes. how tough things were for them, yeah. So, uh, and I thought Drinkwitz did a fantastic mm-hmm. job. I thought once they decided that, that Connor Bazlack was their quarterback, that that everything changed for them. It was basically like halftime of the Tennessee yeah,
1: game. Yeah, I, I I was obviously at that Tennessee Missouri game and seeing that Missouri team, which just got bullied uh, for pretty much sixty minutes, um, and seeing the Missouri team that closed the season that was really threatening and. That was a completely different team, um, and if you can find that quarterback, and obviously in Connor Bazelak, they have that. I just you can't under you can't overstate how much that changes, and just for the for the tenor of a program, for how everything looks, for trying to build a program, you can see the sort of scaffolding start to go up, and it's it's around Connor Bazelak right now, and Eli was trying to get it going at Missouri. I, I, again, not only this year, but just big picture, I'm, I'm skeptical of how high that ceiling can get when you're sharing a division with Georgia and Florida. But, you know they can still get to that point where they're consistently the third best program in the, in the sec East. I think in terms of where they're at and and their consistency, they've, they've, they've kind of been that um, for, for a good amount of time. And, and they might get to that point and, and stay there uh, under Eli Drinkwitz and, and, you know, in a good year uh, might ascend to that two spot or, or steal an East uh, title at some point. Um, And we'll see, uh, but, but year two is really going to tell us a lot uh, about the Drinkwitz uh, era
3: at, at Mizzou. Yeah, and Steve Wilkes coming in as a defensive mm-hmm. coordinator. I, I think it'll be interesting to see how he transitions in from the NFL. But you know, they needed to get better on that side of the ball. Mm-hmm. And if they can, I mean, yeah, this is a team that, that can be that third best team in the SEC East. But, again, I, I have a hard time... Putting them over Kentucky because I actually would put Kentucky closer to where Florida is, and I'm very interested to see what that Kentucky Florida game in Lexington looks like as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, moving down the line, another first year, uh, well, first year coach in the SEC. There's a or the SEC, so There's a couple of them, or three of them, really. Tennessee, Josh Heupel. Uh, they're going to score some points. Uh, you know, there, we've heard a lot about the, the fun there, but man, the, the bodies just are not there. They are going to be razor, razor thin everywhere. Uh, and except we'll a quarterback
3: see. where they have 47 <laughs> different. People. This is true.
1: Yes. Uh, I, I would plunk my money down on the Joe Milton express on that competition there, but, um, they just, you know, they have some speed, they have some guys, but they just, the the bodies are not going to be there, especially on defense. Um, I'm just, I I think their ceiling this year is pretty low. They seem like a four to six win team to me. And, uh, you know, can they threaten some people with that offense? Maybe. Um, I think they are going to score. That offense is going to be effective. They have the pieces to run it, but defensively, uh, they're going to probably be on the short list of, of teams that are, that are giving up as many points and yards per play as anybody in the league from where I see it.
3: But here, here's the thing. Look, we, we know this about Tennessee. Everything that happened last year, uh, the NCAA stuff, firing Jeremy Pruitt, all this, we, we know that that's going to happen. We know it's going to be a tough year for Tennessee. Last year was a tough year for Tennessee.
1: They seem to be coming in droves lately, but yeah.
3: Well, here's my thing, though. I think everybody can accept that it's, it's going to be difficult, that there's a long road ahead. Will that be easier to accept if it's at least a fun offense to watch?
1: Sure, more so than the alternative, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: they, they Again, and, and you know how I feel about Tennessee fans. I think they're the most loyal, most passionate fans in the universe. And they have been kicked in the teeth over and over again by their Fortunately,
1: teeth. I'm not sure because Iowa State it, fans are listening to this, but it's close. <laughs>
3: They are well, They're very, very passionate. Yes. But, but Tennessee, Tennessee fans. I, I mean, I just think it's one thing to give them a bad team, but then give them a bad team that's a that's just a snooze fest to watch is yes doubly insulting, and that's what they've had to deal with. Yes,
1: and I, that's at least they'll shift there. I, I think it's they will be fun. I think. Um, and they will put up some and points. That, and,
3: and that's how you that's how you bring it back. Mm-hmm. That's how you bring the program back is you make it fun. Like Arkansas is a good example last year. Arkansas wasn't a great team by any stretch, but you watch them play. They're playing hard. They seem to be enjoying themselves. They play a fun brand of football, and you're like, okay, I can see where – a good player might say, you know what, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of them getting better and becoming a winning program again. And that's what, if Tennessee is fun to watch and looks like it's fun to play for, then they will get players who want to come come in and help them get back to being a winning program. Yeah, and I think, too, you know, Arkansas is a good example, like the jukebox um, gimmick.
1: Like, <laughs> that's right. That Tennessee could have something like that because every win – outside of Vanderbilt and most of their non-conference, every win's going to be meaningful. If you beat Pitt, that's huge. If you beat Kentucky, Missouri, South Carolina, those are going to feel really good and like you really did something. Uh, And because obviously, and I think fans, you know, if there ever was a year zero, for those who don't believe in it, certainly Josh Heupel would would have one if there ever was one. And I think it has helped him that you know, his 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 hiring, I don't think anybody would call it a home run or that they're going to throw parades. I think that helps him because nobody's walking in. It's not like a Harbaugh situation where if you're not winning the SEC in year two, people are going to be going nuts. I think that helps him that people are just kind of in wait-and-see mode. They've heard all the sales pitches yeah. for over and over again. They've been disappointed over and over again. And everybody around Tennessee – you know, nobody is nobody's knocking on Josh Heupel's doors, dropping off cookies every morning. They're waiting and seeing and hoping, and I think that works for them. And like I said, everything they do this year, outside of you know, their outside of the pit non-conference game and, and probably Vandy. Everything that they do is going to feel like a step in the right direction, barring a Georgia
3: State disaster, yeah. just, in which case just, I don't recommend just, that. Just <laughs> just be fun. Yeah, just be well. And and South Alabama. Careful. That's the careful. One. Careful! Didn't Jake Bentley? Jake Bentley has beaten them three times. Right?
1: Uh, I believe that's accurate. Yes.
3: Yeah, that's that's kind of scary.
1: It should be, but I think with <laughs> 94th this offense, you can.
3: Your senior coming with three wins against you. Yeah, already. but I
1: think with this offense, I think this is an offense that when you have better athletes, you can really flex. And Tennessee has not had that offense for a while. So I I, I agree with you, um, but we'll see. Uh, I think, and just to put a bow on the quarterback situation, whoever wins, I think will be fine. I just. And this offense, I'm not worried about that. Like, there's some guys that can have a higher ceiling and, and do some things, but the offense will be fine. Whoever wins the quarterback competition, moving down the line.
3: Yeah, I, go ahead. Wait, wait. I want to I want to go back to the quarterback competition because you said you said you're you're banking on Joe Milton, mm-hmm. and I think folks who've not followed Tennessee that closely ha- are going to have questions about that because he he's the one who got there the most recently, mm-hmm. and and Harrison Bailey and and. Brian Moore still there from the previous administration, mm-hmm. meanwhile, Hinden Hooker came as a grad transfer from Virginia Tech, probably thinking i'm going I'm going to win this job." So for the firing, what is it though? that makes you think Joe yeah, mm-hmm. Joe Milton, who was not there for the spring and who left Michigan, who you know it looked like Kay, it looked like it was going to be Cade McNamara, and they were bringing in Alan Bowman. you know Joe Milton going to Tennessee, What makes you think he's the one that that winds up being the starter? a
1: couple things one. I think he gives them a higher ceiling. I think he's the most talented guy on the roster, and you're starting from nothing. So chase your potential, and I think he gives them that um, more than anyone else on the roster. Two, the fact that they had seen these guys, what they had. They saw him in spring. They saw him in workouts. They studied them, and they still said, Joe Milton, come on down. And there's something to be said for uh, you know bringing in as much talent as you can but considering how uh, precious scholarships are, and they already had three scholarship quarterbacks, if you if you didn't, you know, I, I don't. They've treated everybody fairly, but I think if you truth serum the staff and you could ask them who they would want to win that job, I think they would almost all universally say Joe Milton. And the arm strength, and the mobility, and just the big body—he's just a type of guy that is just a little different than everybody else they have on the roster. And so that's kind of where I'm at. If it's close. I think you got to go with Milton because he gives you that next level and that higher ceiling. And all these guys have time. um, But, you know, I I generally. Not to say that what I think he did at Michigan was irrelevant, but I think what he did at Michigan is a lot like what all these quarterbacks did in Tennessee's previous offense in that I've said multiple times, I think if you put Pat Mahomes in Tennessee's offense last year, he throws for 2,500 yards and 16 touchdowns and eight picks. <laughs> like I think that's, that's what's where they're at. And uh, in this new offense, that is not what the numbers are going to be. And, and uh, I think if you can invest in him, he can take you to some next levels offensively. So that's my case for Joe Milton.
3: All right, so now we need to go to another East school with a uh, with a first year head coach. Beamer ball, probably is about the same level as as Tennessee. Yeah, and you know we, we talk about Kentucky and, and Missouri kind of being an inflection point when it feels like Tennessee South Carolina is an inflection point. A
1: little bit. I, I, Tennessee has a better roster. They're probably. I mean, I guess you could make an argument on depth or whatever, but you're you're starting twenty two. I think Tennessee has more talent. But South Carolina's been a problem for Tennessee, and Tennessee's had more talent than South Carolina pretty often, and they still managed to lose. And I think there's something to be said for, you know, certainly Shane Beamer is not recruiting against the same uphill battle that Tennessee is with the NCAA stuff, but clearly the recruiting sales pitch that he has had is working. Um, and if that's working on the recruiting trail, you wonder how well it's working in his own building. You'd, you'd seem to think that it would be pretty well, uh, working pretty well, and and we'll see. I mean, they're just going to be such a mystery, uh, I think, uh, in terms of what this program looks like and what they can do. Um, and it's pretty close to a year zero, probably not to the same level that Tennessee is. But what do you make of, of the Gamecocks in, in year one uh,
3: under Shane Beamer? I I really don't know what to expect from them. This is an interesting one because they, they've done a lot in the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if they've chosen wisely in the transfer portal, it gives them a head start on – on the rebuild but we'll see how it works uh did you know david that south carolina has the one of the people who tied for the lead for the lead in the nation in sacks last year i don't think i knew that in all of fbs yes jordan strawn who was at at georgia state he was a walk-on at georgia state uh started out you know he kept gaining weight kind of turned into a hybrid edge rusher and Wound up, yeah, tying for the lead in the nation in sacks last year, and so now he's going to try his hand at doing it in the SEC. That's one of those things. If if that works out, that changes the face of their defense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, obviously, I, I am a big
1: believer uh, in Kevin Harris, and and we'll see what he can offer them. Um, yeah,
3: they're going to be able to run. The, yeah, they, I think they, that's probably accurate. Luke Doty's got got to figure that out. The, the one other name I'd, I'd give you for, for South Carolina that I think is interesting, and I don't know what he's going to turn out to be because he's jumping up a, a, a big not, not just group of five to, to power five, this guy's jumping from division two to, to power five to the SEC is E.J. Jenkins, who's a receiver who was at St. Francis in Pennsylvania. He's 6'7, 245. He can move. Uh, he actually came with his quarterback. Uh, I don't know. His quarterback is probably going to be the backup to Luke Doty. Mm -hmm. But EJ Jenkins is a guy that during the spring they were pretty impressed with him. And, you know, from a matchup standpoint, (laughs) there's a lot of good corners in the SEC. But 6'7", 245 is pretty hard to match up with. I do think so. And I I think
1: the X factor for South Carolina, strength coach Luke Day is a football and grits listener. And I think when you have that kind of um, sharp uh, mind – and uh, that kind of taste in your locker room that can only help you, I think.
3: Oh, absolutely. Do we do we have a percentage on what, you know, how many SEC strength coaches are football and is he the only one? Because let us is, know. Listen, I, let I, us I, know. I, we're going to change everything, and we're going to put South Carolina at number one, at least. and we'll just we'll start from there. Football and, we'll, and
1: grits down. and strength coaches—the
3: new, the new, the new, <laughs> the new uh, name of the Scott pod. Sinclair. I need to know if you're listening to us or not. <laughs> well, let's hear it. Reach out to us. George's position at number one, and our our predictions hinges upon it. It does. Uh, Andy,
1: what can you tell us? Give me something good about Vanderbilt. I watched them play last year. They
3: just Anchor debuted down. their new uniforms, and they look really sweet.
1: What uh, describe the uniforms for our listeners? I have not seen these today. I must. They admit. got the
3: nice. They got the nice block V. It might look a little like Valparaiso, but I'm looking these up. As I'm telling you, it's an imp- it's an impressive looking block V. Gold gold pants on the the away uniforms that look really sweet. The the gold helmet, white jersey, gold pants is a great look. It just is a very. It's a very classic. I'm looking at these classy right look that that Vandy is. I feel come the out classic, but am I the only
1: person on the world who liked the chain, the anchor chain? Is it just me?
3: You were the only person.
1: I like it. I'm sorry. I love the chain, uh, and it's gone, and I am disappointed. Bring back the chain, Vandy, please, please. A
3: so little bit of a new, a little bit of a New Orleans Saints, yeah, in the little in too much. look to this. Which, you know, little that that's not a good time in Saints history either. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Clark Clark Lee inherits a, a a team that didn't do very well last year. That the roster is in need, in need of a rebuild. Uh, Barton Simmons, who came from our world, mm-hmm. is is now in charge of, of doing Certainly that. Certainly the most
1: interesting personnel move of the off season, I would say.
3: Absolutely. Now, Ken Seals, I thought, did a good job. Yeah, that's, the, that's a bright the spot. Freshman. I don't know that he's,
1: a, he's your guy guy, but he, he did enough to tell me that he can play in the SEC.
3: To throw over 60%, you complete over 60% of your passes on on a team where you were at a talent deficit every single time you set foot on the field. Yeah in an all And not SSC only that, but especially late year. in
1: the season with their covid situation, they were playing with 40, 50, 60 guys uh, a lot of the, yeah, a lot I, of the I time. think
3: I, I think he did a really good job last year. So I'm I'm kind of excited to see what he turns into because it won't be as hard as it was last year for him. Can't be. So he could get he could be quite a bit better. So I'm not I'm not completely dising, uh, dismissing Vandy. I I think, you know, Clark Lee understands what he's getting himself into. He played there. Mm-hmm. He knows he knows what to sell, and and he knows what they need to do to be a respectable football program. And it's it's really it's really about getting the players in there who want to. And, and I think James Franklin kind of encapsulated how to sell Vandy the best. It's look at this education you're going to mm-hmm. get. You're playing in the SEC and you're in the Nashville, one of the best towns in America. Yeah. And and he sold it really well. And they're paying and for I your housing. Lee can in Lee sell Nashville. that. Correct, which is a big <laughs> yes. thing now, but it, maybe not as much when Franklin got there. Yeah. But definitely right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I think I think Clark Lee can sell that really well, but it's going to take him a couple years. But to have a guy at quarterback who uh, and and really conceals as a freshman again, if he wants mm-hmm. to be, that, that's that that's up to him. But you could have that guy for four more years if you want. Do you think it's
1: important? at a place like Vandy that has so many challenges to have someone in Clark Lee who understands those challenges and knows what resonates with people in terms of selling Vanderbilt football.
3: Well, as you saw with Franklin, you didn't have to go there. It's just, it it just needs to be somebody who understands it Mm -hmm. and, and who, who knows how to package it properly. And I think Franklin, gave you a good template for it. And then you got Clark Lee who understands all of the nuance of it as someone who grew up in the town, who played there and, and just has seen it from the inside out. So yeah, I think, I think they've got the right people in place. Now they've just got to, to land the players mm-hmm. and that's, it's never easy, but I do think and I talked to Ari about this a lot. I think, recruits are changing in terms of what they want. They still want the same thing. Can you get me to the NFL? But the thing is, the SEC, every, every school in the SEC is going to be scouted. If you are good in the SEC, you are going to play in the NFL. So when you get beyond the group that says, I want to go to the place that makes the most first-rounders, which is the, those are the people that go to Alabama mm-hmm. and Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, LSU. When you get beyond them, they're looking at, can you get me to the NFL? But I do think there's more people going, what kind of degree do I have when I get out? Mm -hmm. And that's where a school like Vandy can take advantage. They can sell that hard. And I I think there are more elite recruits who are thinking more about that. And you're not going to get them all. They're they're, they're still going to, for the most part, go to more traditional football powers. Or if they're in that pool, they may choose Notre Dame over you. They may choose Stanford over you. They made you know Northwestern has had more recent success, but you can sell it and and you can say, look, you know the Alabamas maybe they didn't recruit you, Georgia didn't recruit you. Why don't you go show them that they should have recruited you and get this degree at the same time? Mm-hmm. There's a way to pitch that where you're going to get a few of those guys, and if you do, then things get interesting. If you're Vandy, yeah,
1: I'd say that's about right. Um, well. The East is going to be interesting. Uh, a two-horse race for the most part, but that second group is is going to be interesting. And then Vandy, we'll see. Tennessee, you know, what does Josh will have to bring? What is Beamer Ball? Uh, what is that? Beamer Ball South? Or would that be Beamerball East? We're calling that. I think it would be south. It's more. It's like it's like yeah, due south. It's you could say Boomer Ball southeast, I guess, since you're going from the ACC to the SEC. Uh, from Boomer Ball specifically.
3: Well, the most most of the ACC is east of the <laughs> SEC. So fair enough. Uh,
1: but we'll see how it shakes out, Andy. Before we go, it's been a while since we've had an episode of football and grits, and as such, we need to make do. On the latter half of our name since the last time we I need recorded, to tell people
3: how to actually eat grits
1: no not the grits specifically but uh since the last time we had an episode of football and grits what is what is the meal that you has has left you uh the most satisfied uh recently
3: that's hard to say david because i've not gotten to travel very much mm-hmm. and you know this this situation the where everything is and not being able to talk to folks in person there have not been a ton of opportunities for that uh i've been in jacksonville a few times doing some jag stuff there's a place there called the bearded pig i have been i
1: went when tennessee went to the gator bowl
3: fantastic barbecue it's excellent it is excellent and so you get the pulled pork poutine as your appetizer which i have not had that fries i'm intrigued covered in sausage gravy with pulled pork and it is it's spectacular and then a beef rib Mm. and there aren't many places in Florida where you're going to find a good beef. This is a beef rib. Even would, in Dallas, there's only a few places that up do that. Would, mm-hmm. Yeah, this this would stack up with the good places in Texas. Mm-hmm. And so that 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 was pretty spectacular. You know, getting to to cover a little Jags draft and and eat a uh, a giant beef rib with some, <laughs> with some pulled pork poutine on the side. Yes, that was pretty awesome. I
1: will leave you with two, Andy. I've done a decent bit of traveling this okay. summer. The two meals that I think about. Uh, among the best that I've had. Uh, I'll, do we want to start with the, the traditional or the exotic?
3: Let's go traditional first. All right.
1: So this weekend, I was driving back to the state of Tennessee uh, where I uh, lay my head, and I had not had Bogart's ribs in a good 10, 15 years almost. I had them once in college. I'm just not in St. Louis in that Saint often. in St. Louis, right? Yes, I'm not in yeah. St. Louis that often. But man... They have a little apricot glaze on there. I, I'm i not a ribs guy, and this is one of the best barbecue meals I have had,
3: maybe ever. It's up So, there. I, I am a ribs guy. I have not been there yet. I have been taunted by people who were there
1: <laughs> multiple I times. I tweeted about it. If you and not I need, seen to, I it, need the, to get uh, there. I, I, I'm a brisket guy, but man, those ribs. The best ribs I've had. Legitimately, the best I've ever had. The, the St. Louis glaze mm-hmm. style. I'm so they're, Unbelievable, unbelievable. On the exotic side of things, uh, the Rainbow Drive-In in in Honolulu, Hawaii. Have you had the, have you, have you, I had a giant.
3: I've I've never been to Hawaii.
1: You should go, Andy. They should, first of all, SEC expansion, Give the Rainbow Warriors a call. <laughs> oh, that's right. Bring them <laughs> Let's in. Let's do it. Listen. Come on, Greg Sanky. Get off your butt. Spirit. They'll get a stadium eventually. It doesn't matter if their stadium is structurally unsound and they have to play all their stuff. They're up.
3: they're fixing it right now. Yes.
1: Imagine. Imagine. Anyway, the Rainbow Drive-In in Honolulu, Hawaii. Uh, I had some mahi mahi. Uh, it's a uh, in addition to that, it's like a it's a mixed plate. I forget what the, I think they call it, the mixed plate. But you got some mahi mahi with some really good uh, tartar sauce on there, and then you have some beef on top of the rice, and then there's a little chicken katsu cutlet, all in one plate. It's a massive amount of food. It's a it lot is,
3: going on. It is so good. I like that.
1: It is so good. We we got it was right. It was like the second meal I think we had uh, while we were there, and I and I was and asking was the people at the hotel where should we go, and they were and they were kind of giving us a couple suggestions but i was like no where would you guys go if you were going to go eat right now and they're like oh we go to rainbow i was like okay well all right then let's we're going to go there then uh a good landing spot to say the least uh so if you're ever in town you're just driving through uh, i i highly suggest i highly suggest you, you stop by and 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 pop in there uh one of the better meals i have had my wife less impressed but that's all right
3: uh yeah, listen this is this is Sometimes the group, the mass quantities are not <laughs> what the ladies are going for. They also have, but it is what we. They are. also have a slush float, which is
1: basically like, uh, imagine like, uh, um, uh, like the sonic slush, but it tastes like strawberry Fanta, mm-hmm. and then a scoop of ice cream Ooh. in there. Very simple. I'm amazed okay. this is not more popular. Uh, I was not that into it, but then I ate it and I was like, oh, oh no, I'm now I'm into this.
3: Uh, that sounds tremendous. It was like especially is it soft serve? Yeah. Well, it no, it's just a it's just
1: a big hunk of like
3: uh like hand of vanilla ice cream. Vanilla ice cream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, very I'm, good. I'm all I'm all for very that. Very Good. I'll take every bit of that minus the tartar sauce.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. Well, thank you guys. We're glad to be back. Football and grits. Football season is upon us again. We'll be here every Monday. Myself, Andy, and as the feed suggests, Andy Staples and friends. We have friends stopping by from time to time. So every Monday, check us out. We'll be here talking the SEC myself, Andy. Make sure to subscribe. Uh, Make sure to to have that uh, on whatever platform you use and have it delivered directly to your device. That's it for our East Preview. We'll talk West very soon. Talk to you guys again next